ברוך השם, you're a bad Jew. שלום. Welcome back to another episode of Bad Jew, the place where there is no such thing as a bad Jew. I don't know if you're aware of that or not, but now you are. With me today is Tyler Samuels. I am so excited to have Tyler here on the show to talk about some of the interesting cultures in Judaism that are seldom acknowledged, that need to be acknowledged. And I'm just really excited to have you on the show. What's new, man? Nothing much. Well, with everything that's going on right now, that's what's new, but... For sure. Right of entry onto this podcast will be four minute bad Jew challenge where you tell your life story in four minutes. Are you ready? Yes. Very Ex- excellent. Here we go. So I was born to Jamaican Jewish parents. They immigrated to Canada way back when. And I grew up in Canada in a small town, or it's now a city called Markham. And I was the only black Jewish kid growing up there except my cousins. And it was very interesting. I grew up very assimilated, very far away from my Judaism. And when I was, when I when entered high school, I just rediscovered it. A lot of questions were asked, like how I was Jewish. There was a lot of anti-Semitism. And I realized one day that, you know, I should know more about my heritage, about my faith, my people, my nationhood. And I spent years teaching myself and self-learning. And when I got to university, I had to deal with a lot of stuff going on. And that's what led me to Jewish advocacy. And now I do it full time with Black Jew. I talk about everything under the sun, especially about Caribbean Jews and the history of Caribbean Jews and Jamaica, where, where I come from, which is a huge part of me. So that's the... That's the biography. <laughs> awesome. That was, a, that was great. Great use of your four minutes. Kept it way under, nice and short and sweet. We love that. That was, that was great. And be, be sure to follow Tyler Samuels on Instagram at Blood Black Jew. I love the name. It's really funny. <laughs> Perfect segue from your autobiography, your four-minute Bad Jew Challenge, which you did so well. Who are the Jamaican Jews? A very small but diverse community of Jews that, from all over the world. When our community is over 400 years old and it first started due to the Spanish Inquisition, like everyone should know the difference between Western Sephardim and Eastern Sephardim. So most Jamaican Jews, myself included, belong to Western Sephardim. So Portuguese Jews that fled from the Inquisition, most of them landed in Jamaica. And at the time, Jamaica was a Spanish colony that was controlled by Christopher Columbus and his descendants. I'm skipping through the history because it's a huge history. But basically what happened was in 1655, these crypto Jews found out that the Spanish Inquisition was going to be placed on the island of Jamaica. Christopher Columbus. If I can ask, sorry, crypto Jew, what is that? I've never heard such a thing as a crypto Jew. A crypto Jew is basically a Jew that's assumed a, a Christian identity, but practices Judaism in secret. Oh, okay. I yeah. didn't know that that was the word for it. Okay, go on. Yeah, sorry. There, there, there are terms for it too. So it's a totally fine that both people haven't heard this, of this term. So basically what happened was in 1655, the Jews on the island found out that the Spanish Inquisition was going to be placed on Jamaica 
Christopher Columbus had died a long time ago. And the reason for this was the Spanish merchants on Jamaica were complaining that the Portuguese were stealing their business, their money, their livelihood. Portuguese was a derogatory term for Jews. And so they wanted to bring the Spanish Inquisition to investigate and set up the Inquisition to investigate these new Christians. And so the Jamaican Jewish, the Jewish community of Jamaica decided this is, this is too much. We need to take a stand here. So they contacted their Dutch Jewish relatives to ask the Netherlands if they would want to invade. The Netherlands said no. At the time, England and Spain were fighting a war. And so these Jews contacted the English authorities. The English said, yes, sure. And in May, 1655, they launched an invasion. The Jews helped them with logistics, intelligence, everything under the sun. And the English quickly conquered the island. And we saw slowly but surely these crypto Jews embrace their Judaism openly and the establishment of a Jewish community. And we see throughout the history of the island of these Jews hiding for the civil rights. Because just because they removed the Spanish did not mean they got equal rights under the English slash the British, but it slowly evolved and these Jews used democracy as a way to fight for the rights. They petitioned England several times to grant them citizenship, which they got. They earned their, they were the first Jews in the British empire to win their political rights. And so it's the slow progression of this society where they're oppressing the Jews, but they want the Jews because the Jews have economic benefits because they can speak Spanish, Portuguese, Ladino, English, so they can trade Dutch, so they can trade, earn revenue. So the English need them on the island, but they don't want them there because they're taking up all the business. They're, they're successful. And, and that's the Jewish story. We are oppressed. We find a way to survive and we become successful because of that oppression. But then our oppressors get upset that we're, we're winning and they want us gone. So, so it happened everywhere. Uh, and Jamaica is no different. And ultimately we see by the 1800s, half of the, the legislative assembly in Jamaica was made up of Jews and they had to, at one point of the year during Yom Kippur, they had to adjourn the, the assembly because there's so many Jews that were elected. And that, that's the, that's the beauty, that's the beauty the beauty of Jamaican Jewish history is just an, an amazing history. And I love this history. I love being a part of this history. So. That's so cool. So, okay. I, I just want to, I just want to recap for a second. <laughs> Basically, first of all, it never even occurred to me that the Spanish Inquisition spanned out to the Spanish colonies, like the one they had in Jamaica. It, I think that most people, when they think of the Spanish Inquisition, the only thing about it happening in Spain, there's this great graphic novel that I read in college, actually called Mendoza the Jew which talks about the, the, the Spanish Jews, the Sephardic Jews who were kicked out of Spain and moved to England to be safe. And they were welcomed in England because the King of England at the time thought that letting in Jews would bring in the second coming of Christ. So it's kind of another one of those situations where we don't want you here, but it will benefit us. So come yeah. on in. And also now that you're successful, we're not going to like you. same kind of thing. That, that's a, that's a very common motif 
very common or, order of uh, sequence of operations that occur within our history there. So that's really intriguing. Okay. So in, in a, we also, I mean, I think, I think it's pretty cool. It's a very empowering story here that we essentially revolted against the, the Spanish by giving intel and we made ourselves valuable and positioned ourselves to survive and succeeded oh, yeah. from doing so. So we went from surviving to thriving. That's a really cool story for the Jamaican Jews. So at that time, how diverse, I don't know how, how, how much you know, but how, how diverse was the, was the religious spread back then? Because it sounds like Jews were a pretty predominant culture in Jamaica at that time. Funny enough, Jews made up the minority. They were the minority in Jamaica. So the religious majority, obviously, was Christianity. It, it didn't shift, but Jewish culture was spread throughout the island. So cuisine, history, music, literature. Some of the first painter artists in Jamaica was a Jew that escaped. One of the first books of poetry in Jamaica was written by a Jewish escapee from the Inquisition. And we also have to talk about pirates in the Caribbean because Jews also had a role in that. Now, one of the most famous Jewish pirate in the Caribbean was a man called Moses Cohen Henriquez. His family is very big in Jamaica still. And he basically, his life is crazy. But basically, it's estimated that he stole over a billion dollars worth of Spanish gold throughout his lifetime. His motivation was revenge uh, because he, his family endured the Spanish Inquisition. So he decided throughout his life that he was going to seek revenge against the Spanish. And so he became a pirate, a privateer. If you know who Captain Henry Morgan is, the same guy, Captain Henry Morgan Rum, named after him, he and Captain Henry had a relationship, a friendship. And when he has established a Jewish colony in Brazil, Monday, Brazil, for Jews to escape the Inquisition. And when the Portuguese recaptured the colony, obviously these Jews had to escape and most of them escaped to Jamaica. And the reason why they were allowed to escape to Jamaica was because Enriquez had that, re that relationship with Captain Henry Morgan, who was governor of Jamaica. And so he himself moved to Jamaica and established, helped establish the Jewish community. So it, it's, it's a whole wild mess, but Jamaican history in Jamaica is everywhere. And you can see it like there's an estimate that over 500,000 Jamaicans have Jewish ancestry. That's an estimate. We don't know the exact number, but it's that dominant, but it's forgotten. It's forgotten history. Okay. That's, that's insane. I mean, that's, you, you, you touched on so many different points about the, the blending of cultures here that is just never, again, this is never talked about. Like you, you don't go into shul and learn about the, the cross section of Jamaican culture and Jewish <laughs> culture. So this is really crazy. And I'm, I, this is just a neat, this is just a neat history. So what you're saying is that this, this, this blend of cultures between the Jewish cultures, the Jewish traditional cultures and the Jamaican cultures, it bleeds into food, which by the way, is there such a thing as Jamaican matzo ball soup? Is that a thing? I've never had it like this Jamaican soup, but I've never had matzo balls in it. I'm pretty <laughs> sure some people have done it. Okay. Okay. I, I want to, I want to hear if there's any, any developments in the food uh, category. 
you talked about the culture, which I imagine that means that there's going to be a blend of uh, musical influences from there. I'm sure even the language. You, you mentioned Ladino with a D, right? Yeah. Can you elaborate what a Ladino is exactly? Ladino is a Sephardic language, basically a mixture of Spanish, Hebrew, Arabic, and every language is combined together. It's like Yiddish. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's like Yiddish. So I know some Jews, Jamaican Jews, that heard Ladino being spoken growing up. Unfortunately, it's dying. I don't think most Jamaican Jews today know Ladino. But if we're moving, if we're looking back in 16th, 17th century Jamaica, the Jews obviously knew what Ladino was and spoke Ladino. Fascinating. Okay. Really fascinating. So it's, so yeah, so I, up until now, it was not, it did not occur to me that Ladino is essentially the equivalent of Yiddish for the Sephardic Jews. I really had only heard of it with only kind of a concept. Yeah. Didn't really have it defined <laughs> until just now. For those listening, the learning curve is happening live. So, and that, that's the whole thing of my show. Anyway, okay. And then the pirate, you said one more time his name. Moses Cohen Henriquez. It's a cool name. And the billion dollars worth of gold that he stole out of revenge, was that valued at today's price or valued yeah. at, okay, that's valued at today. The, est yeah, the estimated value of today. Yeah. Insane. Okay. And he created his own colony too. He created his own yeah. colony in Brazil. At that point, was that during the Inquisition or was that after? Well, the Inquisition never really ended up until I think the 1975, 74, officially. So, yeah, 1970 something officially. So when the Vietnam War was happening, the Spanish Inquisition still occurred? Not, not officially, but like, Theoretically, it was still on the books. It never really ended up until a certain point. I could be wrong. I'm mixing up my dates. But the, the, the Inquisition, basically, at his, at his chapter of life, Henrique's life, the Inquisition was still being enforced, especially in the Portuguese Spanish colonies. So during the several wars between England, Spain, England, Portugal, you would, and the Dutch, the Dutch and the Portuguese were at war constantly. So you would see a switch of, of hands over the colonies. And so Jews took advantage of this because they, they knew that if it was a Dutch colony, they would have religious freedom. If it was an English colony, they would have limited religious tolerance. And so they took advantage. And so they would move to these, well, it depends on the region, islands or colonies. And so by doing so, they were able to adapt to the situation. So if Henriquez, he established his colony in Brazil, and once the Dutch lost the war, Portuguese took over, he left it, they escaped. It, it, how I describe the Spanish Inquisition, I describe it as a genocide, because that's what it was. It was the, the entire eradication of the Jewish people on the Iberian Peninsula and the colonies because it was illegal for Jews to move to the colonies to, to openly embrace their faith. And we saw, we see the records of this, especially on the island of Cuba, because that's where the Inquis Spanish Inquisition was based upon. The Catholic Church of Spanish colonies was based on Cuba. 
and we've seen the records of them launching investigations into the Spanish colonies to see, and they mentioned the Portuguese, the Portuguese are lax Christians, and they knew that these, these Christians were, were Jews. And so, right. and that's how this, this history evolved into a history of freedom, resistance, revenge. So, yeah. Pretty amazing. And I mean, like, like, I know that the Inquisition also went through a few different phases. The first phase of it being, you can't be Jewish, so we're going to force you to convert or else we're going to kill you. Right. And I know that in that first phase, that was state, that, that was like a lot of people opted into converting, which is why there's such a high population of people that are being discovered today in Spain that are, that are actually Jewish. And also, I, I guess also in, in South America too. Yeah. Uh, the next thing is, I know that phase two was that the, the, in the Spanish Inquisition, they, they essentially went down family lineages and tracked family trees. And they said, even if you converted to Christianity, we're still going to kill you because like, you're impure to the religion now, which is, I, I think like it's something you said something really important is that it's basically a genocide. It is a genocide. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I think that's, I think it's just, it's so important to, you know, highlight that and like, let's not muddy. I, I think, I think people get caught up with words these days, especially and and in, in when you, when you start inventing terminology like inquisition, it, it distracts a little bit from what it actually is. So I think that's a good point on a similar note, someone, there was a, there was a Jewish influencer who recently had a rant saying, let's stop calling it anti-Semitism. We'll call it Jew hatred. Let's just, let's just simplify it. So I've been trying in my vernacular, my everyday lexicon to try to shift over to calling it Jew hatred, because that's more clear than anti-Semitism. That's the ADHD lizard brain, uh, community that we have to speak to now, <laughs> you know? So I want to take a detour from the history for a second. There's also Rastafari culture, Rastafari religion. Again, it's the concept that I don't fully know beyond the gift shops in Venice in Venice Beach, California. Can you explain to me what Rastafari culture is exactly? Is it a religion? Is it a culture? What is it? I would say it's both. I would say it's yeah. both a religion and a culture. Rastafari's, Rastafari or Rastas, they, I would argue it's a mix of Christianity and infused with worshiping Haley Selassie as the Messiah because it's, it's black. It's in a way it's black liberation for the Caribbean. Rastas, they, they saw Haile Selassie as this Messiah figure because he was emperor of Ethiopia. He was leader of this black state in Africa, uh, well established. He, he resisted the Italians. He came back during world war II, restored himself to Ethiopia. So it was, it's, it was. It's very mechanic and Zion for their homeland, Zion for them. When they talk about Zion, Zion is Ethiopia, moving to Ethiopia, embracing that style, culture and lifestyle. But it's, it's, I would argue it's very, it's Christian based, but it's infused with black liberation, black nationalism, this belief that Haley, Haley, Haley Selassie is a Messiah figure. You know, J-E-H as God. So all sorts of things. 
And I think cannabis, marijuana, people overplay that in Rastafari culture, but it is part of the culture, but it's a holy thing. It's not just for those who are potheads to go, oh, I'm a Rasta, I'm going to smoke marijuana. No, <laughs> it is, it's, it's a cultural religious aspect for them. And so, same with dreadlocks. Dreadlocks is very holy to them to wear. And they've been persecuted for wearing dreadlocks, especially in Jamaica, they've been persecuted. Mm -hmm. But a lot of, a lot of Rasta culture has been influenced by Christianity, Judaism, because I'm just saying this from my own observations, but a lot of reggae music that's Rastafarian inspired, it, it, you can hear the, this belief of Zionism. You can hear this belief of returning to one's homeland, mm -hmm. of, of fighting oppression, of fighting, being a holy people, which is very central to Jewish, to Judaism and Jewish people. That's really fascinating. But, it's really intriguing. But we also see a lot of imagery in symbols, like Jewish symbols, like even, even in the Bob Marley movie, right? There's yeah. a scene where there's a scene where Bob Marley is wearing a high necklace, I yeah. believe. And, uh, you know, we see a lot of that kind of imagery. When does that exactly pop into Rastafari, into, into the Rastafari religion? It's, it's interesting because I don't know an exact date because a lot of it, we see it in Ethiopian Orthodox Church. We see in Ethiopia, stars of David, stars, Jewish stars that are, have been co-opted. And I would make the argument, they follow that same track with Rastafarian culture, where they embrace these symbols because these symbols mean something of liberation, of freedom, of, of homeland. So in Bob Marley's case, especially with Bob Marley, with the high necklace, he was influenced by Jewish influences. His, right. One of his good friends was a Jew. He, he never really talked about it, but he mentioned this influence of Judaism, this, his love for Israel, according to his son, Ziggy Marley, he, he was, he inspired, he instilled in them this idea of Israel and Jews and how their role models and et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's always been there with the Rastafari culture, but it's never been a thing of, oh, we're, we're appropriating this because we're, we're the Jews, we're the true Jews. They're their own separate faith, their own separate religion. Um, but there's also been influences with that religion. That's amazing. So, and I know by the way, that, that Ziggy Marley is now married to an Israeli, which I would too, because Israelis are amazing, but, but no, I, I just, I find it, I find it so intriguing because you look at some of the imagery in the Rastafari religion, in the Rastafari culture, the stars of David are being used. And my first gut reaction when I see something like that is, oh, that's appropriation. That's anti-Semitic. And I think that there's maybe a half truth to those statements, but as I've come to, you know, learn that there's actually a deep respect and there's a deep tie, especially with the, the history of the Inquisition, this bleed of culture that you have and the different descendants and how ultimately cultures have formed and been created. When did Rastafari culture get started though? Oh boy, this is tricky. It, the explosion of Rastafari culture was 50s, 60s. It was always there. It was, it was a movement, mm -hmm. but it really gained attention in the 60s. And then because of reggae music, 
50s, 60s, 70s, then you see Bob Marley and Rastafire culture explodes onto the international scene. It primarily focused on the Caribbean. So, but during those decades, we see the explosion of this, this belief movement of Rastas and their worshiping of all sorts of things. But I would say I'm not an expert on Rastafari culture. I only know it from the Jamaican viewpoint of, you know, the, they're, they're cool dudes with dreadlocks who get high, worship Haley Selassie, do all sorts of very interesting things. Sure. Yeah. For, thank you for explaining that, illustrating that. Before we end the podcast, I want to ask you a question about uh, your personal experience with being a Jamaican and, and a Jew living in Canada. You know, ha you mentioned that there was a lot of, you know, ignorant comments and questions that were shot towards you as a kid. Now that you are putting yourself as the, out there as the, the blood black Jew, I wanted to ask you, has that changed at all? What has been your experience mending in a culture that is oftentimes seen as white? What's that been like for you? It's been interesting to say the least, because you always get people who don't believe, oh, you can't be Jewish. You don't look Jewish. And, you know, it's out of ignorance because they've never seen what Jewish culture looks like because we're, we're diverse people. We were expelled. We blended in local communities. We embraced others that added to our community. So we're going to be diverse. We're going to have different colors, different shades. So I still get those comments. I still get people questioning my Judaism, my Jewishness. I, I get called traitor. I get called all sorts of things because they cannot correlate that there are Jews that look like me around the world, just like there are Jews that look like you around the world. And they, they have no understanding of that diversity, and which is sad because Jewish diversity is such a beautiful thing. But it still happens. It still happens every day. It still happens. I'll get DMs. I'll get people questioning, oh, when did you convert? When did you do this? When did you do that? Like, give me your life story. And it's like, would you ask someone who looks the part of being a Jew these questions? Yeah. Would you ask them that? Yeah. And nine times out of 10, they say no. And it's like, what does that tell you about yourself? Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, I want to thank you for being vulnerable and talking about, you know, these really being an advocate for Jews, but in a very unique light that is very underappreciated. I want to thank you for being strong during this time, especially in a post October 7th world. It's not been an easy time for Jews around the world, no matter what skin color. And I think the kind of work that you're doing and the kind of uh, message that you're putting out there is so important and so relevant to right now. And the Jamaican Jewish history is just as relevant and kind of cooler, Loki again. I had never heard of Jewish pirates before. <laughs> so badass. But seriously, this was a really enlightening conversation. I want to thank you again for being on the podcast and talking about the history of Jamaican Jews. And, and understanding that I'm an ignorant person too, who just simply didn't know about this culture. And thank you for highlighting everything. Tyler, should people want to follow you, connect with you? What's the best way they can? The best way to connect with me is to follow me on Punt Back Jew on Instagram. I usually answer my DMs, but 
I can't answer everyone, but I usually answer. But that's the best way to contact. Excellent. Tyler, it's been a treat to have you on this podcast. And to the listeners, please do leave a comment, follow us, leave a review. We really do appreciate all of your engagement with Bad Jew. And we'll see you next week. Shalom.